quite critical and quite skeptical when it comes to statistical methods, so we hope that we can convince you and we're looking forward to the challenge. So what we want to do today is to look at who actually votes for these two parties. And to do so, we look at data from the Six World Value Survey, which was just released about two weeks ago. <clears throat> so the World Value Survey is a very established survey instrument, has been around for around 20 years. It's based on a representative sample and 1,200 face-to-face interviews which were conducted in Tunisia. We use a standard logit model that allows us to estimate how likely an individual is to identify with either Nida Tunis or Nahta. So we have several assumptions concerning who actually supports these two parties, partly based on media accounts and partly based on the composition of the party. So we assume that beneficiaries of the former um, regime are more likely to support Nida Tunis, partly because members of the ousted president Ben Ali's Constitutional Democratic Valley have been integrated into Nida Tunis. So we expect the former beneficiaries to be people who are probably middle or upper middle class, have higher incomes, come from urban areas, are probably slightly older, francophone, and very likely less socially conservative and less religious. Since Nida Tunis is also promoting itself a little bit as a force that has brought together various leftist fractions, we also assume that opponents of an Nahta Sohufir and Islamization and um, overall elite change would be more drawn towards Nida Tunis. And lastly, we assume that since the people who have well come together in this party are of very diverse origins. So we have leftists, we have secularists, we have um, members of trade unions, we have former regime party members. We expect that the profile of voters are quite diverse. So with respect to Al-Nahda, we assume that people who have been excluded by the former regime are more likely to support Al-Nahda. So people who probably come from a lower class, have lower incomes, probably urban, there's a lot of emphasis on the secondary literature of younger people supporting Islamists, Arabophone rather than Francophone, and overall more socially conservative and more religious. So let us now look at our outcome. So people were asked, which party would you vote for in the next elections? And as you can see from the graph, so blue is al Nahda and red is Nida Tunis. Nida Tunis is slightly ahead. <coughs> okay, let me now give you an overview of our explanatory variables. So we have variables measuring attitudes towards ideology, towards class, religiosity, gender, and demographic factors. So since there is an assumption in the literature that the primary supporter of Islamist parties is an ideologue. We include a variable that we call Sharia. And people were asked, religious authorities' interpretation of the law are an essential characteristic of democracy. And as you can see, um, the variable has three units. So not essential, somewhat essential, and essential. So our next variable is prey. So it measures religiosity. And 
Basically, people were asked, how frequently do you play, pray? Never, sometimes daily. So let's get to our gender attitude variables. So first of all, we measured whether equal women's rights are an essential characteristic. 1,200. 1,200. 1,200. Um, so first of all, we measured whether equal women's rights are an essential characteristic of democracy. So you can see it's a four uh, units uh, variable ranging from non-essential to essential. So one of the assumptions is that probably people who have more conservative gender attitudes are more drawn towards a matter, but we will see whether this is actually true. Um, so to get a more nuanced view of gender attitudes, we included a variable that measures women's role in the private sphere. So this, um, people were asked whether the question, when women work, children suffer. And you can see um, about, well, 39% strongly agree, and then, well, less people agree, disagree, strongly disagree. We also wanted to see whether nationalism and national pride has an impact on voters' choices. So we include a variable called national pride. And people were asked, how proud are you to be Tunisian? As you can see from, from the distribution, people, uh, a lot of people are quite proud. And we also included a variable xenophobe. And this is really driven by curiosity because we wanted to see who people vote for who have slightly more xenophobic attitudes. Again, it's a four-unit variable ranging from do you trust foreigners, trust completely, <coughs> trust somewhat, don't trust very much, don't trust at all. <coughs> well, to come now to address the socioeconomic factors, we included, included an, a variable called unemployed, and it's simply a binary variable measuring whether somebody's unemployed or not. The secondary literature suggests that the petit bourgeois, so the small-scale businessmen, tend to be drawn towards Islamist parties. And to count for whether this is actually true or not, we include a variable called self-employed. Well, our variable education is pretty straightforward. It's, um, uh, it, uh, it measures educational attainment ranging from no formal education to university. <clears throat> Since we expect age to, to possibly have an impact on voters' choices, we include a variable age. And this needs some explanation, the pre-Islamism cohort. So we assume that there might be something like a generational divide. So we think that people who have been socialized before the rise of Islamism, so before the 1970s, might be drawn more towards secular parties, whereas people who have been socialized after the rise of Islamism might be more drawn towards Ennahda. So we include a variable called pre-Islamism cohort. Um, our next variable class is a self-placement variable. It measures um, people's class affiliation. So it ranges from lower class, working class, to lower middle class and upper middle class. Again, income, um, a four unit scale ranging from low income to lower medium income, upper medium and high. 
And the secondary literature also puts a great emphasis on Islamist social welfare effort and this whole discourse of social justice. So one could assume that people who have a stronger preference for redistribution might be more drawn towards Islamist parties. So we include a variable that measures redistribution. So you can see that on, it's a 10, 10 unit uh, scale, so towards the lower end, so toward 8, 9, 10, <coughs> indicates a low preference for government provisions. So, and here on the higher scale, you see that, well, expresses an attitude that people should, no, sorry, it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> um, um, That's fine. Exactly, so that people should take more responsibility. And what is interesting here is that we can see that more than 50% of the voters in Tunisia have a preference for redistribution, which means that the median voter in Tunisia is a rather left-wing voter, which indicates that we have strong potential for leftist parties. Okay, our next variable simply measures sex. Our variable urbanity measures whether an individual lives in a rural or urban setting to account for geography. And we also include a regional variable that places people in either the north or the south. So yesterday we heard a lot about the complex of the south, the deprivation of the south, and this actually allows us to measure regional differences. Okay, so we've presented all these variables and now we basically have a look at what matters whether you identify for uh, and would vote for Nahda or Nida Tunis. And some of the facts are, some of the findings are rather uh, intuitive and others are a bit surprising. So regarding Sharia, it actually doesn't really matter. Your preferences for Sharia-like political system don't influence your preference for Nahda. However, if you, the more you're against the Sharia-like political system, the more likely you're to go for Nida Tunis, which is what we expected. We expected a secular uh, Islamist divide. This is a predicted probability of an average voter um, in, in the sample. You have on the left, on the uh, y-axis, you have probability of voting for Nida Tunis. And on the x-axis, you have the different scales of the, of the variable. And I'm, please don't pay any attention at the, at the absolute uh, probability, but rather at the change and how it changes when your preferences for Sharia change. So you can clearly see the more you think uh, a Sharia is sh should, or like religious interpretation should be an essential part of democracy, the less likely you're to vote for Nida Tunis. Then the next finding is also quite intuitive. More religious people are more likely to give their vote to Enahda. The average effect is about 8.6%. Again, a graphical distri distribution um, graph would um, show this best. So um, you can clearly see that well, the more religious you are in your daily practice, the more likely you are to give your vote to, uh, to uh, Inahda. Regarding the next finding, so we have these two general attitudes, and it's actually quite interesting. For Inahda, that doesn't matter. So the Inahda vote, none of the voters is driven by a particular gender attitude, whether towards um, women in the private sphere or in the public sphere. However, regarding Nida Tunis, there is an interesting effect. The more you uh, support a strong role of uh, women in the public sphere, so the more you think 
that women's rights are an essential part of democracy, the more likely you are to go for Nida Tunis. So we have clearly sort of a, a, a feminists would go for Nida Tunis. Again, graphical distribution shows that very good. The more you think this is essential, the more your probability of voting for Nida Tunis goes up significantly. However, regarding the role of women in the private sphere, we find actually the opposite. We find, again, no effect on Nida Tunis. However, regarding Nida Tunis, it seems to be that Nida Tunis uh, voters are rather gender conservative when it comes to the role in the, in, in, the, in the private sphere. So the more you think that, well, children suffer when women work, the, less, the, the more likely you're to vote for Nida Tunis and the other way around. So again, um, just a graph. Um, women work, children suffer. If you strongly disagree, your probability of voting for Nida Tunis is, is, is lower than if you strongly agree with that statement. Going to the next variable, um, self-employed, we find a significant effect that people who are self-employed in Tunisia are just 10% more likely on average to go for a NAFTA. So this seems to be one of their constituencies. Unemployment is not driving any particular identification with either of the parties, nor is uh, national pride. However, um, Inahta taps into some what we would consider maybe xenophobic electorate. So the more you um, mistrust foreigners, the more likely you are to give your vote um, to um, Inahta. <coughs> Again, same, same thing, a graphical representation shows that quite clearly. It goes up from, if you completely trust foreigners, your um, probability of voting for Inahta is quite low, around 15% and it goes up, up to, on average, 30% if you have a strong mistrust towards foreigners. Um, regarding the demographic um, variables, education, quite surprisingly, we expected an effect, but both parties seem to be both, well, relatively equally represented amongst all educational layers of society. And also a bit surprising, Nida Tunis seems to tab into a rather, a rather young electorate. So the older you get, the less likely you are to vote for. Um, uh, an, uh, sorry, the older you get, yes, the less likely you are to vote for Nida Tunis. This is shown by um, a graph, hmm. which, is, which you see here. If you are 18, your average probability of uh, voting for Nida Tunis is around 40%. Going down to 60, it's half. So there's a clear effect over time, which drives voters as they grow older, away from uh, Nida Tunis. Um, however, there's this counter effect, and it's one of the strongest effects that we find of a cohort effect. So if you are what we consider socialized before the rise of Islamism, your likelihood of supporting Nida Tunis is much higher. If you are socialized after the rise of Islamism, and we, we, well, the cutoff point for us is 1973. If you're 18 in 1973, so the first oil shock, 18 or older, you're considered part of the pre-Islamism cohort. And if you are younger than that, you're part of the post-Islamism cohort. And so you can see that there seems to be a generational divide in the way people identify with either of the parties. Um, quite strong effect here, probability for voting for Nida Tunis, if you're part of the pre-Islamism cohort, your average likelihood itself is, a, is about 50%, 0 0.5, um, which drops to 0 0.3 or 0 0.28 when you're part of the post-Islamism cohort. And you find a reverse effect 
for um, for um, Ennahda. It's the next part, I think. No. no. This is class. So class, we were surprised about class. And this lines up with our finding for redistribution. It seems that Ennahda voters are what we consider in a European context rather right-wing. So they would identify themselves as rather middle or up, upper class and have preferences for no government provision. So they would, on a left-right scale, clearly be on, on the right-hand side. Again, graphically is probably the best. So if you identify yourself as being part of a lower class, your probability of going for NAFTA is much lower than uh, you, are, you consider yourself part of the upper middle class. And this is something, this is similar for redistribution. The more, the more likely, but the more you, can you go on? The more you um, oppose government provision, the more likely you are to vote uh, for neither Tunis, for NAFTA. Uh, Anafta is also considerably more male. If you're male, you're 10% more likely to vote for Anafta. The Anafta electorate is more urban. And then we find, and this is by far the strongest effect um, in the whole sample, uh, this regional divide. So if you live in the north, your average probability of voting for uh, Nida Tunis is about 50% higher. And if you live in the north, your average probability of voting for Anafta is about a third lower which is considerable, and again, a graph for... We go to the next one. Yeah, this is the graph which shows the regional divide, and you clearly see that for NAFTA, if you are part of the North group, it, your probability of voting for them and choosing is much lower than the South, and conversely. Yes, so what does a typical voter look like? Well, not very surprisingly, neither Tunis voters tend to be more secular, whereas Ennahda voters are more religious and, as we have seen, possibly, well, Ennahda possibly taps into the xenophob um, spectrum. Um, quite surprisingly and contrary to what we expected, neither Tunis doesn't seem to attract the upper and upper middle class nor the highly educated. So if you're middle and or upper middle class, it's much more likely that you're going to vote for Ennahda rather than Nida Tunis. Also, we find that people who, tend to, who are self-employed tend to go for Ennahda. In terms of gender, our findings are surprising in terms of favoring women's role in the public sphere. There's a clear preference for gender equality when it comes to Nida Tunis. But neither Tunis voters tend to be more, well, skeptical towards gender equality when it comes to the private sphere. So that in, it implies some interesting tensions there. Also surprisingly, with respect to Anahta, we don't really find that particularly gender conservative or liberal people go for, for Anahta. We have a very strong cohort effect. So if you, if you were socialized before the rise of Islamism, you were much more likely to vote for Anahta, uh, for Nida Tunis, sorry. Um, also, Nida Tunis attracts more younger voters. With respect to Anahta, if you have been socialized after the rise of Islamism, so after the mid-1970s, you were much more likely to vote for Anahta. And very surprisingly and counterintuitive, and it kind of picks up on what Rory said yesterday, Ennahda doesn't seem to attract young people. 
our strongest findings are with respect to geography. So as Ferdinand just mentioned, when you live in the north, you're simply much more likely to go for Niedertunis and not for Anahta, whereas living in the south makes you a potential voter of, of Anahta. Um, Anahta voters are urban and male. We don't find um, that this is significant for Niedertunis. Okay, so what takeaway messages um, can we get out of this, these findings? So we consider that there are five major cleavages, secular, class, cohort, and regional. So let us think what kind of policies we can expect from these two parties with respect to their constituencies. So we would expect that Anahta would propose a quite neoliberal uh, policy with a strong role of the private sector and very little redistribution. With respect to Nida Tunis, it's not very clear because of the catch-all effect and because of the various factions that have been integrated into Nida Tunis. But we would expect to see a continuation of this kind of state feminism that was promoted under Bill Gieber and also Ben Ali, but also that we would see tensions when it comes to the role of women in the public and in the private sphere. Thank you very much.